Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Amy, and I am the executive pastor here at Incarnation. It's good to see all of you. Uh, this is a really special week to be preaching on, or year, I guess, to be preaching on this passage, this story of the Magi, which Matthew calls the wise men from the East. Uh, because a lot of you know that a couple weeks ago, we had a conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter in the night sky closer together at night than they had been for about 800 years. And my parents live in a rural area where it's really dark. So they sent me this picture, which is taken by a cell phone through a telescope. Isn't that cool? But I know that a lot of us went outside the first night. It was very disappointingly cloudy, but at some point during the week, a lot of us looked on the horizon and saw this conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn. And without a telescope, they looked so close together that they just looked like a single super bright object in the sky. Now, astronomers know that a similar conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter happened probably three times in the years around when Jesus would have been born. And they think that that conjunction might be what caught the Magi's attention, what made them want to get on their camels and go over to Bethlehem. Because back in the ancient Near East, Jupiter was seen as the king planet. And then Saturn was seen kind of strangely as the planet of the Jewish people. And this might be because Saturday, the day named for the god Saturn, was the Jewish Sabbath, or it might have some reasons that are lost in antiquity. But for whatever reason, when these two planets came together in the night sky, they would have been very bright, they would have been very noticeable, and they would have suggested the ideas of kingship and of Jewishness to people who studied these things, paid attention and tracked with them. And that is exactly what Magi did. That's who they were. But of course, we don't know. We can't know for sure what the Magi saw. So kids, if you are listening, I wanna invite you to imagine what did the Magi see in the night sky? Maybe it was planets, maybe it was constellations, maybe it was cloud formations, we don't know. But what do you think got their attention and made them think something is happening in Bethlehem and we need to get there? You might want to draw or paint or write about what you imagine, whatever you think might have come through the night sky. Well, one of the things that I love about scripture is that we don't actually need to know the specific details of what planets were where in the sky what exactly the Magi saw. Those details are interesting, but the story of scripture is so much wider and deeper and richer than those details. Here in the pages of scripture, the God who set all those planets into motion, who made every atom in the universe is speaking to us. And he has so much to say so that we can come to them again and again and again over a lifetime and each time find something new, something fresh and challenging that God wants to say to us in these familiar words, something that piques our curiosity, maybe even something that sparks doubt or sends us into wrestling, but God is always speaking. He's always talking to us through these words. 
by his spirit. And that's good news because today's story is very familiar. Even if you didn't grow up in the church like I didn't, you know the story of the Magi coming to see baby Jesus. This is the story that ends our celebration of the Christmas season. And this year, I want to focus on that last line from the reading. This was in verse 12. Listen again. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Magi departed to their own country. They went home by another way. What does it mean to go home by another way? Well, for the Magi, this was pretty straightforward. They had been warned not to go the way of King Herod. Now, Herod was the political king of the Jews. He was ambitious and wealthy, incredibly powerful. He was obsessed with his own image. And by this time in his life, he had also become really paranoid and controlling and violent. And in fact, the next story that Matthew tells is about Herod being so nervous about a baby that he actually starts a genocide against children just to hold on to his own power. Now, by contrast, the Magi have just worshipped. They have just knelt in the dirt, a different kind of king. This is King Jesus, the true king of the Jewish people, the one that the stars had somehow proclaimed to them. And these Magi aren't even Jewish. This shouldn't be their king. These aren't their prophecies, their stories, their hopes. And yet somehow they know that this king is for them. Somehow this king of the Jews is their king too. He's the king of the nations. He's the king of everyone. And this king has shown up in a place and a time where he is least expected. He's in this dusty home in this sort of two-bit Palestinian town with a couple of teenage nobodies as his parents. It's this humble contrast to all of the glitz and glamour and power of Herod. And the Magi have shown up and given him these really expensive gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, gifts of royalty, gifts of anointing, even gifts of preparation for burial, but gifts that would have been kind of ridiculous for a little boy in a poor dwelling. And the Magi had taken this ridiculous long journey to get there in the dark. They had had hardly any information to go on. They were far from home. They're far from their people. They're far from everything that they understand. And so in a sense, these wise Magi, these people who have spent years studying astrology and the mysteries of the universe and the skies, they have just come all this way to make fools of themselves with almost none of the story to go on, they have lugged all these treasures, all these miles to worship a foreign king who looks powerless, who looks poor. 
And this is who we worship too. And worshiping this king has consequences. It changes us. Making a fool of ourselves for this king makes us wise. And becoming poor, spending our treasures for this king makes us rich. And when we've tasted the exceedingly great joy that the Magi did, we're no longer at ease in this world built by Herods. We're no longer comfortable or even safe on these paths that are built by greed and vanity and power and fear. We have to go home by another way. And Jesus came to take us home by another way. He came to take us to our true home in the kingdom of God, to our true identity as sons and daughters of God, our true selves made in the image of God to do his work. And he takes us by the way of the true king, which is a way of foolishness, the way of the cross. Well, next week, we are going to begin a new sermon series on the book of 1 Corinthians, which is coming up in our Sunday lectionary. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to the people at Corinth that calls them to this way of foolishness, this way of the cross. 1 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul about 50 years after the Magi's visit. And in a lot of ways, the people of Corinth were kind of like the Magi. They were also a lot like us. For when they were Gentiles, they were not Jewish, they were pagans and even foreigners because the city of Corinth was this crossroads where all this trade was done. And so you had people coming from all over, all these different cultures and nationalities converging on this city. And the people of Corinth were also people of worldly wisdom. They were sophisticated and cosmopolitan. They valued philosophy and spirituality and the arts and sports and entertainment. And the people of Corinth also had treasures. This was this new city with all this new money and all these self-made people, people who had made their wealth by just endlessly promoting themselves, endlessly holding up the image that they had carved out for themselves, declaiming their rights, and holding on to and defending those rights so they could keep their status. But like any city with wealthy new money and lots of industry, that means the city of Corinth behind the scenes also had a lot of poor people. There's a huge class of uneducated peasants and slaves doing the dirty work to keep it all running. People with no rights and no status. And finally, like the Magi, the Christians at Corinth didn't have much of the story to go on. They weren't Jews, so they didn't have the Hebrew scriptures. They hadn't been raised on the Old Testament. And they also didn't have the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those stories might've been circulating, but they hadn't been written down yet. There was nothing to study. 
they certainly didn't have any sort of systematic theology of Jesus. All they had to go on was Paul, Paul's stories, Paul's presence with them, Paul's teaching, Paul's letters. So you can imagine in this Corinthian church, there are the powerful and the powerless, there are the wise and the simple, there are the rich and the poor, and they've all come together and they're trying to live and worship as this new Christian community without much to go on. And so Paul writes to them as a brother and a pastor. He wants to remind them of the story. He wants to remind them of the bigger picture of what they're a part of, to reorient them to their place in it, and then to call them to that home by the way of the cross. We'll be preaching on 1 Corinthians starting next Sunday. David Griffin is gonna kick us off and we'll be wrestling with it in our small groups throughout the week. And I'm really excited for what God might say to us through this letter. Paul is going to challenge the Corinthian people and he's going to challenge us to set down our rights, to set down our sense of how spiritually mature we might be, to set down what we think is wisdom and to go a different way, the way of humility, the way of love, the way of Jesus. All right, so back to the Magi. What does it mean for us today to go home by a different way? Well, I think we can relate to this idea right now in particular on the brink of this new year. Because in 2021, God willing, we are going home. We're going back to life the way we remember it before pandemic, before masks, before social distancing and plexiglass shields. We are on our way back to what is familiar, to what feels like home. But we are getting there by another way. We are traveling this treacherous path of political division, of pandemic and loss, of lockdowns and joblessness and racial reckoning. None of us has ever traveled this path before. And when we get back to those things that are familiar, we will be different people. This journey will have changed us. And my prayer for us is that we let it, that we don't just journey back toward things and places and ways of life that feel familiar, but that we also let this time be a journey deeper and further into God's kingdom, deeper and further to our true home and our true identity. And I pray that as we travel this journey, we actually become less comfortable on the paths made by the Herods and the Corinths, the rulers of our world and its values. We become less comfortable on the paths of acquiring more money and stuff, of clinging to our rights, to our sense of intellect or power. These paths are not our way home. They don't lead us into intimacy with God. They don't help us become who he has made us to be. So 
So let's examine ourselves. Let's pay attention to whose way we are on. Let's let Paul's words to the Corinthians become God's fresh words for us. Let's go home by another way. Well, as we enter our time of silence, I'm gonna close with a poem by the Anglican poet, T.S. Eliot. It describes this journey and this process of being changed so beautifully. It's called Journey of the Magi. A cold coming we had of it, just the worst time of the year for a journey and such a long journey. The ways deep and the weather sharp, the very dead of winter. And the camels galled, sore-footed, refractory, lying down in the melting snow. There were times we regretted the summer palaces on slopes, the terraces and the silken girls bringing sherbet. Then the camel men cursing and grumbling and running away, wanting their liquor and their women and the night fires going out and the lack of shelters and the cities hostile and the towns unfriendly and the villages dirty and charging high prices. A hard time we had of it. At the end, we preferred to travel all night, sleeping in snatches, with the voices singing in our ears, saying that this was all folly. Then at dawn, we came down to a temperate valley, wet below the snow line, smelling of vegetation, with a running stream and a watermill beating the darkness, and three trees on the low sky and an old white horse scalloped away in the meadow. Then we came to a tavern with vine leaves over the lintel, six hands at an open door dicing for pieces of silver and feet kicking the empty wineskins. But there was no information, and so we continued. And arriving at evening, not a moment too soon finding the place, it was, you might say, satisfactory. All this was a long time ago, I remember. And I would do it again, but set down this, set down this. Were we led all that way for birth or death? There was a birth, certainly. We had evidence and no doubt. I had seen birth and death, but I had thought they were different. This birth was hard and bitter agony for us, like death, our death. We return to our places, these kingdoms, but no longer at ease here in the old dispensation with an alien people clutching their gods. I should be glad of another death.